something to say. Hello everybody, how are you doing? My name is Charlie, I am a sci-fi fantasy writer and that's what we're talking about today. It's Fiction Friday and I, I debated for a long time whether I wanted to do this episode. I've kind of done versions of this episode before, but I, I, not exactly like this. So I want to approach this topic, especially in light of a lot of this we've talked about this week. So what does it mean to write online? And this is an important question for someone like me to ask because I'm old. I am. I'm 41 years old. I'm going to be 42. And for roughly half of my life, there was no real... There, there wasn't. I mean, I got to experience the internet earlier than most because one of my boyfriend's father had a Prodigy account and... We used to get on there, and when I say that I was online, it was more like there were message boards, kind of. If you aren't old enough to remember Prodigy, it's hard to explain Prodigy, because it wasn't like AOL, which some of you might remember. It would, they, they, There were topics. It was almost Usenet-y, but in a very Prodigy kind of way. So if you could imagine just like you'd find... If, there weren't any websites that you could go to back then there were just kind of people talking about things it, it was different it was weird it, it's 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 really hard to relate to anything that we have now because the experience of it was number one very formative for me because i was a child at the time and so i i didn't have the vocabulary to describe it then and my memories of it are very clouded by memories of things that, you know, came about on the internet later. But, you know, I had experienced the internet, you know, when I was younger, but I really didn't get to un get into the internet until the late 90s. It would have been about 96, 97, May when I moved out of my parents' house. And as part of, like, buying stuff for the new house, I bought a computer. I bought an IBM Aptiva for the house because I needed a computer. And for the first time, we had an internet account. And I'm not going to go through like my history on the internet, but like this was back in the glory days of GeoCities and Tripod. Everybody was building their own websites and kind of tinkering with it and playing with it and trying to see what it was. And the important thing to understand there is. Yeah, I would have been, you know, 20-something. Um, I was in my 20s at the time. And so my experience of the internet was through primarily analogies to what had existed before. So when my friends and I started building our first websites, we were thinking about them in terms of the fanzines that we had grown up with in print that we could now do these on internet and I, I say it that way because you can't really call these blogs like these weren't even proto blogs because the idea of blogging hadn't really circulated yet i don't even know if anybody had ever had had conceived of it yet by that point but you know we were playing around with these ideas and playing around with what this could mean and what it would be like and 
we spent a lot of time devising how we could make artwork easily because remember you couldn't just take a picture and it appear on your computer because digital cameras really weren't a thing and Photoshop was crazy expensive so you're dealing with like MS Paint but we did it you know we found ways to get pictures and make pictures and to tell stories and write stories and we created like these really rough fanzines from and they really were recreations of the fanzines that existed in print except for they were now online and i didn't save any of that so and i kind of wish that i had because it'd be really interesting to you know point you to a certain place online where you could see that and so it wasn't really around until the year 2000 it was like 1999 we moved to california brian and i moved to california and that's where my interest in the internet really took off. I learned how to write HTML. I learned how to do CSS. I learned how to do JavaScript. I started making websites. And for the first time, I actually started making blogs. I mean, that's where Project Shadow actually originated. It was all the way back then. You can imagine, 18, 19 years old now. But that's when I initially started it. And so, you know, over the years, it's taken many different forms from being a chat community. It was a forum community at one point. It was a group blog at one point um, about, I don't know, 10 years ago, we started playing around with the idea of podcasting and everything. I mean, it, it's gone through various iterations. And the reason I'm kind of giving this very long preamble to this is all of that was me, my husband, and some friends trying to figure out what Project Shadow should be. And not just what Project Shadow should be, but what does it mean to be on the internet? And so if you go back into the archive at projectshadow.com where the older episodes are, because I have not taken the time to post them to the new anchor feed, but if you go to projectshadow.com, you can actually find all of, well, as many of the old episodes as I still have, which is the majority of them. Um, you, you'll see, we used to have a very radio-like um, podcast where we had a soundboard and Brian co-hosted the episodes with me, and we had very clearly defined segments, and we did news and reviews and commentary, and we really talked about a lot of different things, and it was a much more slick radio show kind of thing than what it is now. And some people <laughs> may wish that I would go back to that, but the evolution of the show over time happened because, you know, we bought a restaurant and so Brian didn't have time to be here to co-host with me. And as part of that, you know, he didn't have time to help me research stories. So it became harder and harder for me to research and get ready, you know, feel like I could talk about some of the news items that were coming out because being able to distinguish between what's just a rumor and what is credible actually takes a bit of work if you want to do it well. And I think if you look back at a lot of our own episodes, with the exception of in anger and wrath, I called, you know, Tarya Tarun and Tarja because I was mad at her. Um, you know, but if you go back, you'll see all that, you know, and it turned into this over time because, you know, I've always had, you know, struggles with depression throughout my life. And as my depression took hold, I started doing more just turning on the microphone and talking and opening up to the audience and really sharing my life and my thoughts and doing a lot less of what I had been doing, a lot less of the actual structured podcasts. And I found that I enjoyed this format better. And I, and I found that 
you all tended to enjoy the format because we were able to really dig into ideas and really explore them and see what they came, from, you know, what they came to, what they were like. And as my depression got worse, you know, and I discovered Anchor, I was able to do these little mini-sodes that you'll see peppered throughout Anchor feed that are fairly disjointed and fairly, you know, some of them are much more depressive than others. But I mean, you can see how bad I was feeling in them, but they provided a way for me to still reach out and get responses from people. And that was so helpful. Like it's, it's, it's hard for me to express how helpful. And so now that, you know, I feel better and I really missed doing the daily podcast and decided to bring back the daily podcast, it's kind of adopted this format where it's me talking on a microphone. I have an idea of what I'm going to talk about. I do have a rough sketch of, you know, how I want to talk about it. But I like it being very off the cuff because that's the kind of podcast I enjoy listening to. You know, there are scripted shows and they're fine and they're wonderful and, you know, very tight shows. But I don't feel like I'm actually hearing what those people actually think about the subjects they're talking about. Mainly because they had time to censor themselves and to edit, you know, through the script process. And so, you know, I don't script what I do. Now, all of that said said you know why is that important for what we're doing now what we're talking about today what is it like to write online see through that iterative process over you know 11 years i finally discovered a way that i can do and that i enjoy doing podcasts that i love doing podcasting and based on the reaction that i've been getting to a lot of these episodes you all seem to really be enjoying i hope you know i've been getting a lot of positive feedback and you know that's something that you know I, I'm very, very thankful for. So that's hard to do with online writing, especially for someone like me, okay? That, that's why I wanted to give that preamble. You know, I found a way to do podcasting because I was able to try and test things and feel felt comfortable with it because podcasting, what is a podcast? You know, it's, 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 it's a new thing. I wasn't doing a radio show. I wasn't doing a YouTube, you know, I know what a YouTube video looks like. I watch a lot of YouTube videos, you know? I could make this show whatever I wanted it to be. And I don't feel that same freedom when it comes to writing online. And I want to, because I see a lot of the kids that grew up with the internet and who have never really known a time when you couldn't just post online. And they're very free about how they write and how they share their stories. And over the years, I've tried to do this and I'm very bad at it and I'm trying to get better, but I haven't allowed myself to have that iterative process. And honestly, I don't want to take another 10 years to figure out what it feels like for me to be able to write online. And yeah, in 10, 10 years from now, sure, I'll have a better idea of how I want that process to go and what it should feel like and all of those things. But it has to start somewhere. And so I look at how others do it. And that's not really, it's not really a good way for me to see how I should do. It. And I think Anybody who's thinking about writing online really needs to bear that in mind. Yeah, there are models you can follow. There are people that you can emulate. But until you find your own voice, it's not really you writing online. It's not really your writing. I mean, voice is the heart of writing. And discovering your voice and learning to speak with your voice is so important. And through all the years that I've been you know, writing fiction... I feel like I finally only found my voice last year. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, it wasn't me writing the stories that I wrote before, but 
I think last year I crystallized into the writer I should be with Labyrinth of Souls and with Crucify My Love and the other work that I'm working on. And so I find myself torn over how to share all this because there's part of me that wants to get everybody involved in the process as early as possible. So I want to share drafts, okay? That, that's And a lot of people do that. And for me, especially nowadays, drafting a, a, a book is a lot more complex than it used to be because I used to be a meticulous outliner that I would know every beat of a scene. You know, not just every beat in the story, but every beat in the scene before I wrote it. I would know every beat of dialogue in the back and forth before I started writing. And I think that process was important for me to go through because that's how I internalized those structures and how to, you know, actually make a chapter, make a scene, make a book, right? But, you know, starting with Labyrinth of Souls, which I actually wrote a very long outline for that had all of the beats and all of the points and all of the, all of the, all of the, <laughs> and I didn't use it. You know, I tried to use it and I tried for a long time to use it. And what ended up happening was I didn't like the story I was writing. And so I stopped writing it and that's not helpful. <laughs> So, you know, the, the way that book actually got written is I just, you know, let go and let myself write. And the book told me what should happen, when it should happen, and when the book was over. And I liked those decisions. Now, you know, things did change in the edit and things were fixed in the edit. But as far as the actual writing goes, you know, I had discovered this part of me that I thought I had lost. When I first started writing, you know, back when I was in middle school and high school and even in elementary school, I wrote whatever came into my mind, and I just wrote stories as they went. And that's, you know, the first four books that I ever wrote were written that way, and they're trash, they're utter garbage. But they were me playing with imagery and story structure and character, and they were very important, and I'm glad, very glad that I did them. But, you know, I didn't actually start writing story stories. Like, I didn't become a novelist until I hunkered down and started outlining. And outlining has been such an important part of my process. Now, an outline story is very helpful, especially in this world of I'm wanting to release more regularly and I'm wanting to share more often. Because each chapter then is closer to the finished process than, the you know, it would be otherwise. You know, when I wrote Crucify My Love... I had some of the beats worked out. Like I, I had an idea of how it would start. I had, I really knew how it was going to end. Like I knew the ending that the story was heading towards the whole time. How it got there, that was discovered along the way. And I, I personally enjoy that process because it makes the writing fun. And I really do feel like if I'm not enjoying writing the story, nobody's going to enjoy reading this. And, you know, the pain comes in in the edit. <laughs> but, you know... In editing that story, which I've kind of started the process on, but I want to write all three books in that series before I get too serious about editing it, you know, there, there are some ideas that get introduced, I think, too late in the story because they didn't occur to me until later into, in the story. So, you know, the river wolves kind of abruptly appear out of nowhere. And if you've recently read Crucify My Love, then you're like, no, you, no, they don't. They appear rather early. Well, I've already done some edits on that story kind of playing around with it and i have gone back and reworked earlier chapters to introduce them earlier but that's not how it was in the original draft and i don't have a problem with how i released that because i wrote that story as part of nanowrimo last year and i'm going to write sanctify my sins book two in that series during nanowrimo this year 
And so, you know, it, it's kind of that proofing, right? I wrote this much today. Here it is. You know, <laughs> and I love that experience. And I feel very selfish writing that way because these are raw, rough drafts. I, especially the nano ones, I finish the draft. I, I write my word count for the day. It's usually late by the time I've hit my word count for the day because I'm not a fast writer. And I just post what I did that day. And I don't want to shortchange my readers. But what's really good about that is you, you get access to my earliest drafts. You, you, if you want to come along for the ride, you get to see it as it grows and develops and changes and as it becomes the story that it wants to be. That's kind of magic, if you know what I mean. It really is. It's kind of magic. So how do we do this? How, how, how does one write online? What does it mean to write online? And this is what I've come down to. And it's the lesson I've taken from doing this podcast and why I shared the story of the podcast at the very beginning. Because it may not seem related, but for me it is. In learning to podcast over the years, I have learned to trust my audience. That, you know, I'm not the most polished storyteller. I'm not the most upbeat storyteller. I'm not the funniest storyteller on these podcasts. I'm not. I tell the stories as if somebody's in the room and I'm talking to you. I like that conversational tone. Many of you seem to like that as well. But I've learned to trust my audience. Someone out there likes what I do. More than someone, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and I think that's where I need to be with my writing online, with my fiction writing online. That I need to just trust that people will understand that these are drafts and as they get updated and as they get better, you know, especially with something like um, Wattpad, not hitting that completed tag until all of the edits are done. And so it's not marked completed. So you can see that work is still being done on it and you have kind of a warning there and maybe write a little preamble chapter of this is a work in progress. Please let me know what you think, blah, 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 blah. Maybe I need to learn how to trust myself to write my fiction better. And I need to learn how to trust my readers that they will understand what I'm trying to do. And eventually we'll come to some happy in between. I don't want it to take time. But this is all so new to me. I mean, something like Wattpad confuses me more than it really should. It's a very simple system that lets me post stories as I'm writing them or whatever and lets me get the story out there. And I like the idea of being able to do that. And there's part of me that kind of feels like I should hoard the stories until they're finished and then post the draft chapters, post the, ch the chapters as they're actually finished and edited and not share until that point. But I think the rawness, the dirtiness, you know, the vulnerability of saying, this is my initial sweep. We're going to make this better over time. What do you think? I don't know. It's something that I've come to really enjoy doing in the podcast, being that open and honest and frank about what I'm doing. And I think for me, doing that with the fiction is probably the best way for me to move forward. And yeah, you know, it's showing my initial fiction warts and all, and that that is scary because it's scary. <laughs> I mean, it is. But over time, the stories will get will be improved, and they'll be improved with the audience. You know, letting other people be able to chime in, especially early in the process while the story is being written, that really allows for an intimacy with my readers that I want to have. 
If you can't tell, in some ways, I'm kind of trying to talk myself into doing this. I see other writers do it, and I envy them for the courage to be that raw and open with their audience. But see, I grew up in a day when if it wasn't perfect, you didn't share it. And that's hard for me to shake off. It really is. And maybe it's something I shouldn't shake off. But for who I am now, I, I really think, you know, I just need to put it all out there. And as things develop and as things change, making that part of the process and bringing people in on that. I'd love to know what you all think about this. I really would. Because if, if it is going to be something that makes you all go crazy, then it's something you shouldn't. So in, in the long and short of it, what do you guys think? What does it mean to write online? This is one of those infuriating episodes where I don't have the answers. And as we talked about very early on <laughs> in the comeback of this podcast, I think that it's almost as important to say the question and explore them openly and non-authoritatively. Because I don't think there is a right answer here. I think for some people, they will have to go through that editing process and make sure that they're not sharing anything that has flaws because their perfectionism and their ego will prevent them from being able to be that open. Because it, it, it's prevented me for a long time. But I, I think to make my fiction everything that it can be, I need to just be open booked about it. I need to share it and make it our fiction as much as possible. I want these worlds to come to life. And they'll not, they won't do that if nobody reads them. And they won't do that if it's just me dealing with the voices and images in my head, writing them down. It's in community that these stories will have life. And really, isn't that what everything about being online is about? I mean, this could be my captain's log, for goodness sakes. And if you actually look at some of the early episodes of the podcast, like the early, early episodes of the podcast, that's what this kind of was. It was just kind of... You know, Captain's Log, Stardate, blah, blah, blah. Here's what I did today. But once I realized that there was people, there were people listening and commenting and sharing and, you know, it changed because I realized the podcast was a delayed conversation. It was me saying my thoughts and eventually hearing your thoughts and then me responding to those. And that's what the internet is. And that's why it can be such a wonderful, wonderful place. The strangers can become a community. And in the end, when you're doing world building and creating a fantasy world, a true secondary world, that's what you want. You want a community. You want it to be something that challenges other people and enthralls other people. Because if it only interests you, it's no good to anybody, really. Those are my thoughts. It's kind of a pensive episode, isn't it? Yeah. Like I said, I debated whether or not to do this, but I think it's the right thing to do is just kind of ask everybody. So let me know. If you download the Anchor app at anchor.fm, you can send in to me a call, do a call in. They're limited to one minute, and if they're good, I'll use them on the show, <laughs> which, as you've seen, I've done before for us. Um, you can also hit me up on social media. You find links to all my social media on projectshadow.com. Um, I will advise you maybe use Twitter. I, I am much more responsive on Twitter than I am on Facebook. Um, so that might be the best place to contact me if you want to do that. Um, oh yeah. If you want to support the show financially and help me keep doing this and take some of the stress out of my life in wondering how I'm going to pay for all of this, because yeah, 
everything costs money nowadays. Uh, whatever app you're listening on, if you look in the show notes, you'll see a support a link for Anchor support. Um, support on Anchor. If you click that, it will take you to my support page. You can give $1, $5, $10 a month, and that really does help me out because I'm trying to figure out how to do a lot of things and support this endeavor is one of them. So that really helps a lot. You can support me there. If you want to support everything I do, including the fiction, support me over on Patreon. Find a link to my Patreon at projectshadow.com, patreon.com slash cedorset. Um, if you can't afford to help financially, but you want to help anyway, if your app that you're listening to me on lets you rate the podcast, please give us a It really does help the podcast out. And share the podcast with your friends that you think might like. Or just the random people that you talk to online. <laughs> share the podcast. Help the podcast continue to grow. You guys have been doing wonderful about that. And thank you so much. Like, I really, I really can't thank you enough for all that. I mean, the reaction that you guys have given me has been overwhelming. I want to thank my patrons that I already have. Thank you. And until next time, have the fun. Bye.